Today on the show, walking the Via Dolorosa, hacking your Holy Week, the Palm Sunday Revolution, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Well, hi, everybody. It is time for the CU Weekly, the Catholic Underground, the podcast that tries to cut through the noise, click the clickbait so you don't have to, and uh, help you find your way on this digital continent. We want to bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 393. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, like almost every week, actually, we've got Kathleen Lee. She's the executive director of the Woman's New Life Center here in Baton Rouge. Hey, Kathleen. Hey, I'm like a bad rash you can't get rid of. Oh, dear. Oh. <laughs> My <Welcome>. goodness. Well, <laughs> that's... Uh, You're welcome for that visual. How, how penitential. Uh, also, mm-hmm. Olivia Galino, who's the associate director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Hey, Olivia. Hello, it's true. Also, we've got uh, a new face here, uh, Amanda Sioni. Did I get it right? Yes, and, and Amanda, what do you do? Because I don't have a after the comma here in your introduction. Um, I live in New Orleans, and yep. I teach um, a homeschool co-op for some homeschool kids. All homeschool. right, lean on into that microphone oh, there. Oh, there. There you go. go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I teach homeschool co-op, and yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. Well, welcome to the show, for sure. Uh, let's go up to the Jeff Star One, shall we? Uh, which, of course, you know is a near-Earth orbit satellite, and... Um, uh, I'll only just kind of mention that Albert is there because I don't think I'm allowed to, to show him on television. Yeah, yeah. Well, Shaking his head vigorously. Albert is no. running the sound He's because Jeff is, Jeff is on assignment. And then, of course, over in the, uh, the ball pit of the Jeff Star One uh, is where Ed Ball is. And he is mm-hmm. running the video if you're watching us on Roku or television or any of the other, you know, hackable mind nodes that you use to, to get the program. Alrighty, well, uh, we thought that we would start off this Passion Tide Palm Sunday uh, podcast version of our show with talking about a, a little bit of a, a tradition, actually, mm-hmm. uh, that that has been going on for four decades wow. in the Holy Land. Uh, Musa Kamar uh, has taken his place uh, at the head of that heavy wooden cross used during Franciscan uh, Good Friday processions on the Via Dolorosa. So you probably mm-hmm. see this uh, mm-hmm. in pictures all the time is the Good Friday procession that takes place actually on the uh, the Way of the Cross, the Via Dolorosa, the Way of mm-hmm. Sorrows, which is the traditional um, the traditional place that pilgrims go, especially during this week, to make the Way of the Cross. Mm-hmm. So on Good Friday, there's this big Way of the Cross. And so Kamar, he's 55 years old. He's at the front left of the cross, and that's the same position that his father also carried the cross oh, very cool. uh, as well. Um, yeah, and, and then... The grandfather also has helped to carry the front of the cross before. In fact, you can go back in black and white pictures, and you can see that uh, that this is something that that is just kind of part of a family legacy, yeah. the carrying of the cross. He says we do it not only because it's a tradition, but because we are religious and we truly believe in it. Wow. Um, and in fact, uh, one of these days, it's on it's on my list. I don't I don't like the term bucket list. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but I just think it's silly. So. Uh, it's on my list of things to do before I die. <laughs> yes, a much more succinct way to say it. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's on, uh, to get to the Holy Land and to, to actually make the Via Dolorosa, the, mm-hmm. the way of the cross, uh, in this way. Because there there is something electric about being in a holy site, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, that uh, when you have somebody, as, as he says, we do this because we believe that what happened here was, was earth-changing, right? Mm-hmm. Life-changing, universe-altering. And so they, they continue to do that as well. Um, so uh, Kamar uh, was looking over photographs, and he was sitting in his mother's living room. And 
all of these things he started to, to put on to Facebook as well. Now, it right. takes about 20 men to carry that three meter cross on, on Good Friday. I think about in our own diocese, we have uh, or in the past have carried a cross mm-hmm. and it's made of, uh, of like balsa wood and cardboard. Mm-hmm. Right. This is an actual wooden cross that yeah. needs 20 men to, to lift and uh, it's three meters. So it's very, very large yeah. cross. And it just takes a lot of cooperation. Like I remember yeah. um, we have like the World Youth Day cross or um, right. that's part of like our youth um milieu Event, in yeah. Baton Rouge mm-hmm. and it's I mean it's probably about as big if not bigger um and I, it's astounding like how much instruction it takes like no no, no you got to lower it because yeah. she's not as tall as you you got you got to lower right. it you can, yeah. <laughs> and so you're constantly like trying to get it on equilibrium and like realize that everybody's trying to do it like everybody's trying to have some participation in it and it really like you rely on all those other people right. who are carrying it with you that, there's a, a homily in that isn't there mm-hmm. you know and and yet our lord um by all accounts that he was forced to drag the thing alone right. except for that brief time where Simon helped mm-hmm. sure. and it's hard for us to imagine um, the, just the the weight of something like that and then you tack on to that the spiritual weight of well our transgression yeah. right? mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of humanity's transgressions as well um, Kamar's parents had run a family grocery store near where the eighth station of the cross on the Via Dolorosa is and uh, and so they would watch this Good Friday procession every year mm-hmm. come by uh, and uh, today, his mom is 83, and she's very prideful, right? She'd stand in the doorway and watch as her husband carries the cross, and then uh, the rest of the family members as well. Uh, Kamar's father, the one who carried the cross before uh, Kamar, was killed during the 1967 war in which Israel took over control of Jerusalem mm-hmm. from the Jordanians. He said, after he was killed, I, wouldn't watch, I couldn't watch the procession anymore. It was too painful. Um, especially on Good Fridays, my mother would tell me how my father carried the cross and that one day I would carry it too. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, the first time I carried it, I couldn't sleep the night before because I was so excited about carrying it and filling the space my father had. That's and awesome. then his oldest son, Yusuf, uh, who's 20, also is is doing this as well. And so you see uh, the youngest son too, 15. Mm-hmm. And so you really see all of this, this kind of this family tradition and it's around a very curious thing mm-hmm. right the carrying of the cross i wonder do you think that we're kind of flippant in the way that we talk about carrying the cross right I, yeah. one of the things that i suppose it's a pet peeve is whenever people kind of make fun of the phrase offer it up yeah. Yeah. you know oh, yeah. and i think sometimes we do the same thing with with the notion of carrying the cross right. Yeah. But this is a very real expression of that because yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, you know, and I don't know, like, that's one of my least favorite, you know, sayings, offer mm-hmm. it up. Because mm-hmm. on the other side, it can be used very flippantly. Like, you know, I'm I'm suffering and somebody's like, offer it up. Offer it mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I obviously am. <laughs> yeah, I am I, trying like, to. There's nothing yeah. I can do mm-hmm. about it, but I need somebody to, like, console me, you know. Yeah. And so, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that... You know, even our view on suffering in in today's society, nobody wants to suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it becomes this. You know, don't worry about it; just get over it. Like, you know. Yeah, and that's one of the things I find interesting about this is that for the for a little while he was unable to watch, right? Because he knew that his father held that that um, role of, mm-hmm. of being at the at mm-hmm. the head of carrying this cross, but he came back around to it. Mm-hmm. The, the cross, the cross always wins. You know, and it's kind of a beautiful sense of victory that that he found his place 
uh, after he, he mourned what I'm sure was a very difficult thing in the family. Mm-hmm. So that's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, he says, uh, it's a burden and an honor to do this. Since I was young, I heard stories about this family tradition. And since my father and his father and his grandfather have done this, I think it's important to keep tradition and to keep our religion alive. Mm-hmm. There is something, if, you, if you've spoken with a Christian who lives in the Holy Land, uh, there is something about they, they realize that they are stewards of right. not just uh, the, the territory that they occupy, right? They are they are stewards of the Christian mysteries in a, in a very real lived sense. Yeah. Well, and there's like a physicality to our religion. Like he talks about keeping the tradition and keeping our religion alive, and that's that's pr- you know prayer, which is something that's very like obviously spiritual, but it also needs like a physical outlet. Yeah. And I think that like the people in the Holy Land, people in the Middle East in general, are like better at that, or like than than we yeah. are, because like they accept that there's just part of their, like, especially like people in Jewish faith, like. There, there's just a part of the need to express ourselves religiously that needs physicality. I need to right. move. I need to do something. And we have pieces of that, like with our rosaries, mm-hmm. even with like Stations of the Cross. Like those are physical movements. It's it's an outward manifestation of the prayer that's happening inwardly. But I love that something like this is like, no, 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 we we have to do this. Yeah. Like this is not optional. This is not for fun. Right. This is, this is we have to do this. I have the same experience in, in the liturgy. That mm-hmm. the liturgy, well, I mean, our world tends to think of the liturgy as something that's optional. Right, right, right. right. Um, I'd rather spend my time at the home improvement store than going to, <laughs> but but we must do the liturgy because that is what allows our circulatory system, our spiritual circulatory system, to vivify. Yeah, right. And and um, in a sense that whenever we are we are taking part in the Christian mysteries, the sacred mysteries of the liturgy, we're joining in these uh, these sacramental ideals, right? We are we are joining ourselves to what's taking place in the Holy Land. Yeah. Uh, and that's really kind of a beautiful thing that the liturgy can do is it can transform us while we're in place, but it can transform us across time and space to that moment mm-hmm. so that we can be with the Christians who are carrying the cross there now, but we are also with our Lord as he is carrying the cross there now. Yeah, exactly. No, it's really, really kind of cool. So yeah. liturgy is, is good that way, by the way. I always tell people if you if you want to to have communion not only with God, but also with the ones who are alive around you and the ones who have gone before us with the sign of faith, get to mass. Mm-hmm. It's at that altar that, that the cross cracks through time and space. Yeah. You know? And I think it's important too to like touch on those moments, those things that are kind of drama to our faith. Like it, it I, I was noticing today in uh, at mass because it's Palm Sunday that like people were like had their their palms up and like you know, if we were actually at that moment when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, like they yeah. were waving them, they were throwing them in the streets. And now like our modern day sensibilities are like, Meh. like, I'm just going <laughs> yeah, yeah. to like hold it. I always make sure that I wave mine to let people know right. that it's okay to do that. You can do yeah. that. We did that this Sunday, actually. They did. They yeah, waved yeah. their palms. I was excited. But I just Followed think that lead. we like, we sometimes lose. Yeah. I mean, they should, <laughs> but like we sometimes lose our sense of drama. And like even yeah. Guardini talked about like the liturgy as drama. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's it doesn't make it less right. of what it should be be. Right. I mean, there's obviously like a sense of moderation and balance and virtue in yeah. like how you go about doing that because it can't just be theatrics. Right. But it also like, it's okay that there's a sense of drama. Like yes. let yourself feel that. Let that's yourself right. do that. And I think that's honestly why sometimes, you know, if you see like the, the, um, 
Franciscan Friars of the Renewal in New York, mm-hmm. like they'll carry crosses through the streets yes. and it makes people uncomfortable. Right. But it also draws them in. That's right. right. And exactly. so I feel like if you can just combine those things, like, yes, it makes me uncomfortable, but I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm willing to submit to this, even though I don't exactly know why, yeah. then there's freedom in that and there's beauty in that. And that's where like the Lord can really enter in. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, Joseph in the, in the chat room says, saying offer it up reminds us that we're supposed to offer our sufferings to God. It's a good thing to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I wouldn't for a minute say that we shouldn't. It's sure. just that whenever we say it without any meaning, mm-hmm. that it, it kind of grates, you know. Because or when we say it like flippantly. Right, when we yeah. say it, yeah, right. Just offer it up and move along. Mm-hmm. Well, no, offer it up means that I'm entering into a moment of suffering, willingly, willfully, desiring to, to beg the merits of Christ, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, but good catch there, Joseph, to make sure that we expound on the things that are important. Um, connected to this is, uh, is what happened for the first time in 300 years. I don't know if you saw this in the news, but the Scala Sancta, the mm-hmm. holy steps that, uh, that St. Helena, mm-hmm. uh, Constantine's mm-hmm. mom, uh, collected from the Holy Land and brought back to Rome, they're, they're, they have their own little chapel, their own little church. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, you could climb those steps, uh, which is not a Star Trek three reference, Kathleen. Thank I'm you. I'm just going to get that out <laughs> of Kathleen yeah. often goes down that yeah. particular route. I know, yes. right? I, yes. But, but the, the <laughs> stairs themselves, which were marble, mm-hmm. um, were encased in wood since the 1700s, and they have been uncovered for veneration. From April 11th to June 9th, I don't think I'm going to be able to get to Rome to see it, but it's really, really cool to to see the pictures. Yeah, a little road trip I think we should do. (laughs) And so the pilgrims can ascend the marble steps on their knees. And this is is common at the the Scala Sancta, Mm -hmm. is is to walk up all of the stairs on your knees. Mm -hmm. And and as you do that, you're either praying a decade of the rosary, or actually I think it's a whole rosary that you can pray as you go up. It takes about 20 minutes. Yeah, it does. And it's a slow movement, and the wood had begun to sag. Yeah. Uh, but if you actually look at the marble, the reason they put the wood around it is because the marble itself has begun to, to wear down. Uh, mm-hmm. Are they going to replace the wood? Is that what they're doing? I That I don't know, and I, um, I didn't read. Yeah, that's, yeah uh, they probably so, will. Yeah, they're going to replace it with new wood planks. That was that was part of it. They've been doing a restoration. In fact, okay. the last time I was in Rome, they everything was closed. Mm-hmm. And you could go up uh, like some... Some so stand-in steps, steps yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, they have oh, steps yeah. on the side for people who, like, want to go up the steps but can't do it on their knees. Right. Um, so, like, I don't know. Yeah, they've been redoing. Accessibility-friendly. Um, it was a papal yeah. chapel that was up at the mm-hmm. top of it. Uh, and so, they, yeah, they've been they've been doing that. Uh, so it was, it was actually in 1724, Benedict XIII covered the holy steps so that they would be protected. Mm-hmm. And uh, so really cool thing uh, if, you, if you're a pilgrim uh, at or near Rome. Uh, you now have your chance to actually put your knees yeah. on the same steps that our Lord would have done. So Very cool. and it's worth it. Like I actually got the chance to do it on Good Friday. Um, oh wow! Several oh, years ago. Cool. But what's so cool is like it's wood, but they still have these little like oh forgive this word but like portholes. Yeah, that's where right. You can see yeah, um, what like is believed to be like drops of blood mm-hmm, that have um, soaked into the marble. Yeah, oh, that have soaked man. into the marble. Yeah. So like as you're going up, like obviously like you're bent over because it's just incredibly painful. And so while you're bending over, your like face hits this porthole, and you're like, oh hi Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's a really like and you can put your finger down into and, and place yeah. your fingers. Yeah. So if you have the chance to go do it, please go. Take us with you. But yeah, if not, yeah. just go. <laughs> 
I've never been. I'm going to put that out there. Kathleen, when we finally get to Rome, it will be a glorious event. It's going to be like Disney World. I'll be like, I tell you, there is something kind of like the Holy Land, which I haven't been to yet. But again, there's something about being in the site where things took place. Yeah. You know, you you don't absolutely have to go. But there is something about being in the place that all of a sudden your heart is able to kind of, well, experience the drama of the the geography, of the culture and everything. And it helps you to kind of immerse a little bit more in the spiritual realities, which is why people make pilgrimages to begin with, as a matter of fact. And even like as you're doing it, you realize that it doesn't make sense. Like, have you ever had that experience on a pilgrimage or something where you're like, this is weird, but Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it it does take you outside of yourself and to commit to something that is, you know, obviously like devotional for some reason, but to just say like, no, no, I'm here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to like put myself aside for the sake of this act of devotion and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be committed to it. One of the things that I find about, about making pilgrimage and doing these things is oftentimes I don't have a feeling that's associated with it. I, 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 I don't know if I'm alone here, but Oftentimes I, I, I'm aware that I'm doing a devotional activity, but an emotion doesn't adequately describe what I'm what, yeah, what's yeah. taking place, you know. And and in the moment you're like, uh, well, am I just what's going on here? Because mm-hmm. we're so tied, even me, right? <laughs> even a priest, we're so tied to receiving an emotion for something mm-hmm. that the 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 ability to do a devotional act is itself why we do it. And so yeah. I think the Lord allows that little bit of mini desolation whenever mm-hmm. I'm at a holy site and praying uh, to, to feel that this is weird yeah. and then to actually have no affect yeah. or very little affect. That's a good point. So I don't, I don't know if anybody else has that experience, but if you do, it's presumably normal. Yeah, yeah. You know what right. else is normal is that we are the Catholic Underground. Well, I say it's normal. Probably not normal. We, we, I think we're a little no, far. Right. eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're listening to the Catholic Underground or you're watching it. Or maybe it's just written on your heart. Aww. We hope so. It would be nice. Right next to the Decalogue. Right on your heart yeah. there. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Uh, sorry. Uh, we're online at uh, CatholicUnderground.tv. I am Father Chris, joined by... Kathleen. I was going to say Father Kathleen. Sorry, it's not that kind of show. Sorry. Um, um, uh, uh, Olivia, yeah. uh, Amanda, uh, Albert and Ed are upstairs in the uh, in the Jeff Star one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you said the Decalogue. I was like... Oh, well, I guess maybe that's what you would call it, right? The Decalogue would be the my rules. The commandment. Yeah, exactly. Like the captain's log? Pro- possibly. Possibly. Yeah. That, that is, That's okay. a good reference there. Some kind of You're comic welcome. book needs to be drawn around the Decker log yes. because that cannot go to waste. I don't know. What does he say? Captain's log. They... Start eight. Yeah, yeah. And then the start eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which does make sense, actually. If you Anyway, our picks of the week are coming up in a little bit. But first, uh, we want to start to give Kathleen some opportunity to hack. Yes. And I'm you, a hacker. You, yeah. And so there are 20 holy hacks. Right. And we've asked you to pick your favorites. A few of them. Yeah. So if you are like me, um, and in these last few days of Lent, you're like, oh, shucks. Like, (laughs) I've just totally blown this whole Lenten thing. Maybe um, you've had some sloppy fasting days or a forgotten sacrifice here or there. This is not like your um, your New Year's resolution, where after week three, you can just forget about it and move right. on. Yeah. Um, this is um, an opportunity, Lent, to dive deeper into your faith, no matter where you are. So if you are having a great Lent and you are just hitting all the, the markers, 
good for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can go deeper too. Yeah. If you're having the worst Lent of your life and you just have no idea what even day, is it, when is Easter? I don't know. Guess what? You're invited deeper into this time. These last, well, for if you're listening to this live, this last week of Lent is never too late. Nope. Right. So, um, Passion Tide, right, which is the last two weeks of Lent, this week and last week, um, is all about that idea of going in deeper, of mm-hmm. diving in deeper, of entering into the way of the cross, especially this week, right, um, and experiencing that in a different way. So, cloaking your heart in the red vestments of, yes, of Passion Tide. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. right. So, for starters, it's good to reevaluate if we are covering the basics well. The three pillars of Lent, which are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, right? These are the three biggies. Right. Um, Lent is a focused time to participate in these three things, to grow in love and charity, seeking new life in Christ. Now, there are, like we said, 20 hacks from this book uh, by Patty Armstrong called Holy Hacks, Everyday Ways to Live Your Faith and Get to Heaven. Um, And you can use some of these in the next week. You can use some of these, guess what? When it's not Lent and you just Mm. want to grow deeper in your faith. Hello. Yeah, Yeah, you can do Lent things outside of Lent. Yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. Yes, you can. It's true. It's true. So we'll start off with prayer, right? Um, One of them I picked was thank God for every inconvenience during Lent. Do you find they multiply during Lent? (laughs) Yes. That's a good one. How many times that people, like, people have to tell me to offer it up a million times during Lent. I'm like, I know, I got it. Right? We often thank God for all the good things in our life, right? And and I tell people all the time, Thanksgiving is not just a day in November where we shove turkey in our mouth. Thanksgiving is an everyday occurrence that we need to bring to prayer, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you start to thank God for those people who annoy you, Right for those people like um, me. who you know, <laughs> no, you're a precious gift. <laughs> for those people who talk bad about you, for the traffic if you live in Baton Rouge, yeah. right? For these things, then you have a spirit. You begin to cultivate a spirit of gratitude, mm-hmm. and you're not just thanking God for the good things, right? But you're thanking Him for the opportunity to grow yeah. in holiness, right? Um, beautiful. Another one I picked under prayer was plan of time of prayer so Lent feels different from not Lent. Hmm. Hmm. If you go to Mass every Friday morning all throughout the year, maybe you need to go to Mass every Tuesday and Friday morning, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you're not, like, it's not just enough to say, well, this is what I always do. This is what we'll, we'll yeah. do for, for Lent. I'm doing pretty good. I'm right. going to keep doing that. One yeah. thing that we forget about, pray for the souls in purgatory, mm-hmm. right? Because we pray for them so that they pray for us. It's, we're all praying for each other um, and that we can get these these people to heaven right Mm -hmm. and then they in turn can can pray us in heaven Mm -hmm. it's an awesome gift Mm -hmm. right which as you remember the 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 souls in purgatory cannot merit any more for themselves so they can't pray for themselves right Right. that's why we pray for them Uh, maccabees 12 46 by the way maccabees 12 i'm sorry second maccabees 12 verse 46 and following Yes. Which, by the way, read CF. the book of Maccabees. It's a fantastic book. Oh, yeah. I love, so, I actually love Lenten read. Yeah, Maccabees really 1 and 2. Yeah. yeah. Mm, some good stuff in there. Very anyway, good. sorry, Kathleen. That's I okay. Yeah. Um, also, pray the stations of the cross at home or at church. Many p- church parishes are putting on mm-hmm. ways of the cross. 
Um, you know, it's not just something that we do in seventh grade in front of the whole school. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is something that is a journey that we're invited into. Yeah. And it's different. Like the way of the cross is different when you're, you know, in, in fifth grade to when you're a young adult to when, you know, you're married with kids. It means different. Yeah, you enter mm-hmm. into yeah. it differently, I find. Uh, right. as, as a priest in different assignments, mm-hmm. I have found that the way of the cross has been, uh, has kind of led that. Every Lent, right. of course, a priest has to do that, right? right. Leads the parish in the way of the cross. I found mm-hmm. that it takes on a different character. And usually with every assignment, I'm letting you into inside baseball here, with every assignment, there's almost always a station of the cross that personifies the particular challenge of mm. my role as a pastor. Interesting. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I have a, a bunch of friends who watch The Passion. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's not, I mean, I bought it. I own that movie. But every time I'm like, this is not a movie night movie. Yeah. Like, this is a serious yeah. sitting down. Like, yeah. Yeah. I say this. that it's one of those, like, you don't get popcorn for, right? right. It's, no. yeah. Yeah. Bread and water is all you get when you watch the passion. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You, so, you, so you can eat. It's okay. <laughs> Speaking of eating, all right, our second pillar is fasting, right? Yep. Uh, fasting. Okay. This is difficult for me. For Kathleen, but it's slowing. Yes. It, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, wow. sorry, wow. sorry. It is. So I'm going to lump these two together. Skip a meal, um, per- perhaps offering it up for those who don't have the option of eating or have only one meal a day. Yeah. Um, this doesn't This doesn't necessarily mean every day during Lent. Some people go super extreme. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of friends who are like, I'm only eating bread and water in the morning every day during Lent, and by day four, they're sick and in bed. And it's like, yeah. okay, that's not the kind of suffering that the Lord is inviting you into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's... You know, what does your schedule look like? What is your what are your eating habits look like? What can you reasonably do and add a little bit of suffering? If you're yeah. like diabetic, it might not be very good. Yeah, you know, something else. Yeah. Or it'll be different. Or even right. like exactly. you can fast from like salt. Right. Or like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be, you know, give up this entire chunk of a thing. You can just right. be like, I really like Tony Sacheres, so don't put that on your food for yeah. like. That's you know a, what I mean? that's a uh, an additive to food, by yeah. the way. If you don't live in South Louisiana, <laughs> I, Jim I just, at all know that now. Yeah, yeah oh. Jim, Jim Hayes, it does yeah. know that. I just moved into an apartment and I made French fries last night and didn't have Tony's. I was like, Why, Lord? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why do you it's forsake Lent. your people? Yes. It's Lent. Pick it's a day or a meal where you just fast on bread and water, mm-hmm. where that's what mm-hmm. you eat all day. You know, it's a simple meal. You're not, you know, starving yourself, but. You know, you are you are fasting, yep. right? Um, or don't eat between meals. Oh, if you're a snacker, mm-hmm. give it up, mm-hmm. right? And and feel that pang of hunger. And what does that mean? Like, what is the Lord calling you to in that moment? Like, mm-hmm. every time you're like, "Ooh, my tummy's rumbling," bring it to prayer, right? Uh, third, alms giving, right? This is our third pillar. And and I don't, you know, we've talked about young adults, young people in the church do not do this very well. We don't tithe very well. We don't manage our money very well. And yet the Pope has an almoner. Mm -hmm. Right? He has a guy that's in charge of saying, Holy Father, this might be how you need to... This is the one. That's right. Peek at this one. Give to that one. one. Yeah. This is good. Yes. So, okay, we, so we're, we're forced to be our own almoner. Yes. Right, mm-hmm. right. But here are a couple of things that you can do, right? Uh, fundraise online by sharing appeals for a worthy cause. There mm-hmm. are lots of Catholic organizations um, out there, a lot of good organizations that are doing um, good work. Uh, that are that are nonprofits. I'm learning a lot about nonprofits this past year, um, and and the money that's raised uh, simply by by generous people who mm-hmm. support their mission. Um, this is a really good one. Um, go through your closet in your house, pick out something that you love. Now we talked about Marie Kondo. What's her Marie Kondo? Kondo. Right. She said the other day, if 
this doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. My challenge to you is, does this give you joy? Yeah. Yes, it does. Do you need it? No, Mm. you don't. Would somebody else love this? Yes, they would. Mm. Would it bring someone else joy? Give it away. Mm. There are Mm. many, many people out there who, like, I know when I clean out my house, it's always, like, what I don't want. Right. And I always think, like, man, if if I were getting this, would I want something that somebody else doesn't want? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Right? You know, or, like, when you're giving at Christmas and you buy, like, the cheap stuff. I'm like, look, they want the same things I do. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so give to the poor, either financially or of your stuffs. Kathleen Lee turning the KonMari method on its head. Yes, indeed. Well, with that, uh, we'll tell you where the Catholic Underground will be right back. So stay right where you are. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Sorry, so the- I like the elevator music personally. You are watching and listening to Catholic Underground. There's more uh, coming up, right? Uh, I'm Father Chris. We got Kathleen and Olivia and Amanda and Albert and Ed. We're all here. Hello. Jeff is actually. You know what Jeff's doing? Jeff is doing a a, a dramatic reading of the Passion at one oh, of our church parishes. He would. And yeah, exactly. So we had to <laughs> we had to fly him down uh, from the Jeff Star. Yeah, on rocket number nine. And yep, there he is. Yeah, it's worth it. So our picks of the week are coming up. But first, uh, we want to talk about Palm Sunday a little bit because mm-hmm. it's perhaps one of the underappreciated uh, bits of, mm-hmm. of Holy Week uh, because it, it kicks off Holy Week for us. Yeah. And uh, and Bishop Barron is always very good about kind of unpacking these things philosophically. And I so do, yes. we thought we would we'd spend a little bit about uh, talking about the revolutionary message mm-hmm. of Palm Sunday because it really was revolutionary even though it's another one of those those liturgies, especially we tend to take for granted, right? Mm-hmm. We we know we get free stuff, right? We get a palm, right? <laughs> but there there's more to it than just that. Than tchotchkes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not because it's blessed, so be careful with it. Yeah. Um, no, I I love this um perspective on Palm Sunday because I mean, like Kathleen and Amanda, like y'all studied theology, so I I don't know if you've had those moments that you remember where you're studying like especially scripture and your professor is like, well, the reason that Jesus did this or the reason that the Old Testament writer says this is because of x y and z yeah. mm-hmm. and in the moment you're like i've read that for years and i never i thought it was yeah. just like details like just throw a little sprinkling of words mm-hmm. you know and it ends up being something really transformative or yeah. something that like every prepositional phase is a full phrase is a fulfillment of scripture somewhere. exactly yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's it, it, you can get bogged down in that because then you're, you're you know going line by line like what does it mean yeah or <laughs> you can just like wait for like lexio style like wait for something to come out at you or yeah. to, to find you mm-hmm. sit with that and then you know investigate it like what does it actually mean right. um so when it comes to palm sunday what i love about um i think we had luke's reading today but in mark's um, gospel we hear that jesus and his disciples drew near to jerusalem to bethphage and bethany on the mount of olives mm-hmm. so like to our ear oh a little bit of geography how nice mm-hmm. you know um but especially for jews like they knew their land they knew yeah. every it's like saying in louisiana 
kind of like, they had oh, re- well, she's from Luling yeah. and he's from Opelousas. Like we, we have not only pictures in our minds, the, but, but associations. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. if you say something like Chalmette, like someone is going to know like mm-hmm. not only where you're talking about, but right. the culture you're talking about, mm-hmm. the food, Oh, that's everything. Father Chris. He's from Baker. You exactly. See? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we all have associate, <laughs> And actually, like, we do that. We'll, we'll, we'll introduce someone and be like, I mean, you said it. You'd be like, I'm Amanda. I'm from New Orleans. And, like, that tells us, oh, okay, now we know how to interpret Amanda. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and not in a bad way, but in, like, a good way. Like, it tells you what to know about people. And it's similar with the Old Testament Jews and with the, the, the Jews at the time of Jesus. So, you know, they hear uh, Jerusalem, Bethphage, and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, um, but we have, and we hear it as just geography, but they hear it, and they were immersed in the Hebrew scriptures, and so their, their minds are like pinging back to different places right. um, in the scriptures. Um, so we want to ping you back to Ezekiel, um, who is actually one of my top three favorite prophets. He's a good one. If that is okay mm-hmm. to have favorite it's, prophets. It is. It is, in fact. Okay. Cool. Because I love Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah. You're looking for, I, it's like, it's a little bit, you, you get a little bit bogged down in it as you're reading it, but if you stick with it, it pays off. Anyway, also good Lenten practice. Um, but about 500 years before Jesus' time, we have Ezekiel. Um, and he had a vision of the, the Shekinah, the glory of, of the Lord, of Adonai, Yahweh, yeah. uh, leaving the temple. So the glory cloud departs. Yeah. And remember, you know, this is the same cloud that followed the, or, you know, was behind the Israelites for protection as they were traveling through the deserts that was in front of them to lead them, um, that, that dwelled in the, in the tent of dwelling, um, that became, uh, the holy or that entered into the holy of holies once the temple was built. Like this is the glory cloud. This is the presence of God himself as he's manifesting it on earth at that time. So this is a big deal. So he, he has a vision that this, that the Shekinah is leaving the temple and that's everything. Yeah. That's everything. Um, and that's why we can kind of commiserate a little bit whenever, you know, we, um, we're going into like Easter vigil mass and you see that the tabernacle doors are open. And I don't know about y'all, but like every time I go to Easter vigil and I'm, I'm sitting there maybe a little early and I'm staring at the tabernacle and there's just like a, an emptiness. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like this, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I want to know where, and I'm thinking yeah. about it like logistically, like, where is he? Like, is it, what tabernacle is he in? Is he in the mm-hmm. parish hall? Is he in the, the back record? Where, where is he? Yeah. You know, and I, I get worried and, and I think that that's where on purpose. Where have they laid my Lord? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's a purpose to that. And so obviously this is going to have a similar, um, if not graduated effect on the, the Hebrew people of the time. Um, and what Ezekiel says is this, it's Ezekiel 10, 18 to 19. It says, the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house, the house being the temple and stopped above the cherubim. The cherubim were um, guarding the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. The cherubim rose from the earth in my sight as they went out. They stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. So the cherubim are flying, you know, ascending back into heaven with this uh, Shekinah glory cloud, um, because they will never, you know, not guard the glory cloud of God. so you can imagine this is pretty devastating for someone um, in the Old Testament um, to to, to read. see God's yeah. presence depart. Exactly, mm-hmm. um, and because the temple of the Lord was seen almost in a literal sense um, as the dwelling place of God, like this is the meeting place of heaven and earth, and we talked about that I think it was last week. Um, so to even imagine that the glory of the Lord had just like quit the temple was really shocking. Um, and that was the point, right? Like that's the point of a vision like that is to say like, wake up, you know, yeah. like the, this is the stake. These are the stakes. 
Um, and, th- and that's why, like, any covenant that you have uh, in the Old Testament, there are stakes. There are stakes on God's side, just like there are stakes on our side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have to keep to our side of the covenant for the sake of, like, the beauty of the covenant, the familial mm-hmm. relation of the covenant. And if we don't, then there's consequences for that. And one of them is that the Lord will quit his temple. Right. But there's always redemption, and we have to go back to that, too. So Ezekiel is prophesying that one day the glory of the Lord would return to the temple um, in precisely the same direction in which it had left. So it left from the east side. We just learned that. Um, And actually, that's also how Adam and Eve exited the Garden of Eden um, at the east of Eden. Oh, at the east, Um, yes. Mm -hmm. But in Ezekiel 43, so a lot later on, says um, that then he brought me to the gate, the gate facing east. And there the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the east. The sound was like the sound of mighty waters, and the earth shone with his glory. So that, that's a particular use of language. He knows what he's doing there. He said, the earth shone with his glory as the Lord is coming up from the east. So he's returning from whence he came. Um, and his, his you know, point in his GPS is the temple. Yeah, he's headed to the temple again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so the, the kind of concrete reading of that is that God has to leave the temple because it's corrupt, because it, it's dirty and it needs to be cleansed, and not like in a you know soot kind of way. It's a spiritual cleansing that it needs, and I mean we have to face that reality too. That like we are not. This is why we we um, abstain from receiving the Eucharist if we're not in a state of grace, because we ourselves are temples, and so if we approach the Lord and say amen that's saying that like yes like this is a temple fit for you and if we're not we do him an injustice by receiving him because this is the holy one of god this is this is god himself divinity Mm. body blood soul and divinity right so that's why we do that have that practice in our church but that's also why at this time you know the the shekinah glory cloud was leaving because like this place is too corrupt for the holy one of god to say yes so the lord begins to prepare and that's what the prophets are doing right the prophets are saying the messiah Mm -hmm. is coming he is coming uh and and that's everything is kind of like um is building up to this moment yeah where the lord can then return exactly and he does jesus um, so let's go back to Jesus. Um, during his public ministry, he obviously consistently spoke and acted in the very person of God. And the Jews at the time knew this because he would say things like, ego a me, like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does that very He was pointedly. accused of blasphemy many times exactly. because he, he used that. Exactly. And there, that, that's not a coincidence. Um, and he even says in reference to himself that you have something greater than the temple here. And yeah, he's talking yeah. about himself. Um, because yeah, the temple is not greater than the holiness contained within it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like God chooses to dwell in the temple. God chooses to be contained by an earthly building because he is so powerful because he is so divine. You know what I mean? Like otherwise the presence of God would obliterate the temple, everyone in it, the earth itself, because that's the power of divinity. But God in his power chooses to be small. Mm-hmm. And that's also a mystery that we see in the Eucharist. That's right. Uh- as, uh, as I think it was John the Twenty Third, Pope Saint John, to- mm-hmm. John the Twenty Third, uh, he makes himself the prisoner of love yeah. mm-hmm. in our tabernacles, so that we may come to know the infinite love that he has for us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's only due to his own power. That's right. His omnipotence. Mm-hmm. He makes himself here. Yeah. His power that is driven by love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as they saw, uh, like going back to Palm Sunday, as they saw Jesus coming up to Jerusalem from the east, they would have remembered Ezekiel's vision. And they also would have 
started to entertain this idea that like knowing what Jesus has said about himself and what other people have said about him, that maybe, just maybe, Jesus was in person the glory of Yahweh returning to his dwelling place on earth. And that would have been like, you can imagine why they would have just freaked out and just started grabbing like palms and like, just throw your coat in the road, throw your coat in the road, you know, just like, it's, it's kind of that crisis moment of like, something's happening. It's really good. Just do something. You know, like we can. This happens to Kathleen a lot. Yeah. 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 That's how I I interact with the world pretty much. (laughs) In crisis. (laughs) This is why we love you. (laughs) Throw something down. Do it. Um, but also in light of this, they would have understand like kind of retroactively the, the acts that Jesus is performing, especially in the temple, because it's all weird unless it has context. Right. Um, but really he was in fact, another Ezekiel, he was pronouncing judgment on the old temple Mm -hmm. and then announcing a magnificent rebuilding, but it's not the rebuilding that they think it is. Um, because he says, I will tear this place down and in three days rebuild it. Right. And that is physically impossible for the structure of this huge that's right. This it's temple has been building. under construction for 46 years exactly, and you're yeah. going to rebuild it in three days? Ha! Right. Guffaw, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the, that everything within Holy Week has great significance. Mm-hmm. One of the things I find just, I, I, it hit me this year for some reason and never hit me before, was that, uh, that on Monday of Holy Week, Jesus cleanses the temple. Mm-hmm. That's when he drives out the money changers. Yeah. And so he makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Everyone is wondering, is this the Christ? Mm-hmm. And then he does the thing the Messiah is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He cleanses the temple to prepare it for yeah. God to, to come back. Yeah. He is God. Mm-hmm. He is greater than the temple. Yeah. And you might be thinking that in John's gospel, he does that earlier, but I don't think it's ir- incorrect to assume that he does it more than once. Indeed. Just to yeah, yeah. footnote right, that. Right, right, yeah. yeah, but no, I think that's a really good point because he's coming to cleanse, but it's all—it's—it's it's by virtue of who he is as a person, but it also takes reparation on the parts of the people who are there, who, mm-hmm. are, who are using the temple for religious purposes mm-hmm. or non-religious purposes. That's right. Um, so... Obviously, there's even more to see in this drama. We talked about a lot about drama earlier. It's a drama of Jesus's arrival, um, but it's not just the fact that like he's riding it on a donkey and it's kind of like a parade. Um, there, there's significance even just in the direction that he's coming from. So, as a rabbi from Nazareth entered Jerusalem on a donkey, no one could have missed the reference to another uh, pa- another prophet's. Um, Prophecy. Foretelling, yeah, yeah um, of this same event, um, and that's Zechariah. So he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So all of this is to say that, like, this is the way you should expect him. That's like if, if someone's right. coming to your house um, or, like, that you know, you, Kathleen, you don't know. she's going to have that jacket she always has exactly, on yeah. and her hair is going to be windswept. Yeah, someone's telling you about someone Start that you've never life. met. They're going to give you identifiers, <laughs> yeah. you know, like right. Kathleen with the sequins, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, you must be Kathleen, right? Yeah. Exactly. It is I. It is I. <laughs> the one foretold. <laughs> and they're Lay gonna, down your palms. <laughs> I am here. Where are your baked goods? Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Come hither. 
<laughs> I would I would be a willing servant of the country yes. that you are the queen of. Dude, yeah. I just want to put best. that out there now. I mean, this is a side note, but <laughs> I would be the best queen if anybody out there is looking. Many, many of us would uh, would submit ourselves to Kathleen's benevolent and yes. food-based rule. Yes. I would be a just and fair leader. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. So imagine how much more Jesus is, yes. right? Yeah. Oh yeah, back to Jesus. <laughs> but I also like I think he gives a kind of a weird detail, right? Like so he doesn't tell us anything about, you know, the the man himself mm-hmm. um or like, you know, what he looks like, who he is, what he says, but like tells us about his means of transportation. And yeah. it seems odd, but it's also going to be really striking to see someone kingly, someone with followers riding on a donkey. That's going to strike the eye and the mind as something strange. And it's also strange enough that they're going to remember it, right? If a prophet yeah. is is saying this hundreds of years before the actual event, they're going to remember it, not only because it has to do with the Messiah, the king that they await, but they're going to remember it because it's so weird. Yeah. So when they see it happening, they're going to be like, there's no mistaking, like, guys, yeah. That's, do you see that? Mm-hmm. Do you, yeah. it, you know, and it's going to, again, incite them to do something about right. it. So... We can also go back to David's time. Um, uh, before A thousand years before the time of Jesus, David had taken possession of Jerusalem. And remember, he danced before the Ark of the Covenant as the Ark of the Covenant mm-hmm. was being brought into the temple. Um, because for the it first had time. been lost yeah. and was found, recovered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, exuberant with joy, dances in front of it. That's the only means of expression he could find. Um, and then his son Solomon built the temple in David's city in order to house the ark. Um, and therefore, for that brief, you know, shining moment, Israel was ruled by righteous kings. You know, we got we got the Ark of the Covenant. We got a righteous king. We're good to go. This is what we were made for. This is what we're doing. Everyone is everyone's everything's copacetic. Everything's cool. Everybody calm down. Get out of the way. Exactly. Right. And then mm-hmm. it doesn't last hardly at all because it's Solomon himself. So, you know, David is the one who says, like, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. The Lord says, hold on now. And then Solomon comes around and he's the one who actually does it. Mm-hmm. But then he's the one who screws it up. Um, because him and a whole slew of his descendants fall into this corruption. Um, and then the prophets feel obligated, as they should, to criticize the kings just as thoroughly as they criticize the temple and the things that are going on in the temple that are not of God. So there's just all this like onset of corruption. And the people, you can imagine, are just like, why can't we just go back to the way things were? Like, we we know that. We say that and do that all the time right. now. Like, oh, even now I'm finding that I do that myself. Like, oh, man, I remember how things were in the 90s. Like, Good old days. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you remember when we used to, like, sit on inflatable furniture and, like, wear stretchy chokers around our neck and just talk about, like, Princess Diaries? Like, things were no, so much I, simpler then. I don't remember that. That's oh, okay. Man. You need to. Wait a minute. I'm a boy. I just, yes. No, I don't. You wouldn't have <laughs> done is, that. No, what is your goodness. life? Okay, good. All right. Sorry. Keep going. But you know what I mean? Like you, you, you wish for simpler times, but you also wish for better times. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what they're doing. They're remembering. Um, the, and, and for the Jews, this act of remembrance was not just like calling something to mind. It was like a very um, like imminent experience. Like I remember it and it happens upon me. Um, so they're, they're longing for the return of the king, the appearance of the, the true David, the son of David, um, the one who would deal with the enemies of the nation, including those who exist inside the nation and then rule as the king of the world. And they expected this new David to be a human figure, but, I mean, something else kind of colored their expectation because they they have to realize that through this human being, God would actually come to rule the nation. So, like, it's this is how God rules. It's a lot for them to wrap rules. their mind yeah. around because, again, they're looking for something perhaps different. Yeah. 
but the same. But the same. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why there's so many prophecies about this because the prophets are given little glimpses into like, this is what you should be looking for, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but also without fully revealing it because Jesus Christ himself is the full revelation um, of, of what we can know and is to know about God. Um, so, just thinking about a couple passages, there's Malachi. Um, he says that, for I am a great king, says Yahweh of hosts, and my name is reverenced among the nations. Um, so there, uh, God himself is identifying as a king. And then um, in Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God and king, and bless your name forever. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. And so us you know, Christians, we should call to mind those times that Jesus himself talks about the kingdom of God. Um, as a, he talks about it in parables, but it's also like a real place we can surmise. Um, so to just kind of like draw all of this, all of this together, you can say that the biblical authors, they expected God to become a king. Mm-hmm. And then they knew that it was going to happen through a son of David who would then come to the holy city. Check. From check. the, yeah, they're yeah. like checking through these boxes. Um, so the son of David would come to the holy city, enter the holy city through the east. Humbly. Humbly, yeah. He wouldn't be like this conquering like military hero, but he would be, you know, riding on a donkey. Um, so when they're, you think, go back now to what's happening on Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. right? You have this figure who has referred to himself as the son of man, as the son of David. Uh, who is not only uh, a teacher, he's from the right region, um, and he has identified, he's said things like, ego e me, I am, um, which, is words that, which are words that only God can say. And then you see him coming into the holy city, Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, and your mind is going to connect all of these things together, and then it explodes because you Basically. realize who this is, mm-hmm. that this is a who with a capital W, right? So it's, no one could have missed that any, not, no good Jew could have missed that this is, that they knew who they were seeing mm-hmm. on Palm Sunday. So Jesus was not only the glory of Yahweh returning to his temple, but he was also the new David. And then, of course, God himself, um, because he is both human and divine um, in one person, reclaiming his, and, sorry, um, one person, two natures, um, reclaiming his city. Well and then, <laughs> I have to get it right. Um, and he was reclaiming his city, saying like, no, 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 this is mine. Like, I had to go away because of circumstances, but I'm back. Like this is, this is my city um, and I'm coming to be your king. Um, and I'm gonna deal with the enemies of Israel, even if it's people who exist with inside Israel. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do it in a way that perhaps you were unprepared for. Yeah, exactly. Because Mercy. God always, exactly. <laughs> because God always works in a way that we, we are not prepared for. Yeah. You know, I, I cannot believe God loves me so much that he's willing to have mercy mm-hmm. on me. Exactly. You know? And that's, that's his like, weapon of choice almost like to deal with the enemies of Israel. It's not to like conquer people and slay them. It's to envelop them in an ocean of mercy. Mm -hmm. And that's painful because if you're not like disposed to it, if you're not prepared for it, um, or if you're just not, you haven't made the choices that allow for that kind of relationship, it's going to be painful. Just like, you know, being in confession and admitting your sins to a priest hurts. Mm-hmm. It like contrition is, is almost has like a physical aspect to it. And that's good because that's the, the sign that mercy is working, you yeah, know? That's right. Um, it's a, it's a, it's that needed. purgation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that we're, we're undergoing that purgation, that purgatory here on earth yes. so that one day we can stand before God and say, I, I am ready. Like mm-hmm. you've helped me to be ready right. and I'm here and I'm ready for you to be my king. 
So that's what we're doing in Holy Week. You know, we're, we're finding all these moments to go back to these places in Scripture where Jesus tells us who he is by, by speaking through the mouths of the prophets, by speaking through the Psalms, and by telling us himself. But all of that is to prepare us because he's coming for us. Like he's coming into the holy city, but you are his temples now. So yep. he's coming for you. That's right. So just I, my, my prayer for you this week is that you just be open to that, mm-hmm. to the mercy of God as it comes through the cross. And as Jesus has told us so many times, be not afraid. Exactly. It is I. Yes. It is I. God is victorious. Jesus is Lord. And he wins. You know what else it's time for here uh, in the Holy Week edition of the Catholic Underground? <laughs> it's that part of the show that we like to call <laughs> the CU. The CU Pick, pick of the Week. week. I don't know why I felt the need to say it along with me, but there I did. Uh, so, along with me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, first pick of the week, uh, Olivia, how about how about your pick of the week? I would love to. Okay, so to try to describe this is going to be painful, but just stick with me. So you might have heard of Nathan Pyle's Strange Planet. Um, he's getting a lot of, like press for this yeah this he's week. he's a cartoonist he's a cartoonist um mm, and actually yes. like you'll find that a lot of like he's done a lot on new york life living in new york yeah. and that sort of thing right he's funny and a lot of like cartoon strips i guess are coming to instagram as a platform it's yeah. perfect um, actually. yeah because it's, it's perfect it's not like you can you know, tell sequential stories and things like that using instagram because you can swipe back yeah and exactly so his are you know it's called strange planet so it's about like if these alien life forms came to earth and started kind of living the human life um and i think it's very like meta in a way because he's he's pointing out things that we do that are strange mm-hmm. um like there's one early on um about tanning mm-hmm. um and it's the, one of the aliens is like i crave star damage mm-hmm. like because he's, that's he's what the recognizing sun is doing, yeah, right? yeah. That, that, like what we're doing is being damaged by the light of a really hot star but these aliens are, are saying it in such a way that it makes us think about what we're doing um so I I think they're mostly family friendly. Um, I've read most of them, so you know you should feel safe to to read them, and, and nothing bad's gonna happen. But they're also just really funny. And I there's one about salad, about um like like they call it a leaf bucket, and how he adds garden bits until they Kath- reach the point of flavor. Like I- Kathleen calls it leaf buckets too, actually. Yeah, she does. buckets yeah. of trash. Oh <laughs> dear. Right. Well, there you go. But yeah, so if you're looking for a good laugh, um, especially something to kind of come through your feet every day and just put a smile on your face, oh. I really recommend. I'm laughing at these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm you're going to love we'll, this. See, we'll, there you put go. It yeah. in, we'll put it in the Instagram. So, Amanda, you've been a little quiet. She's been actually watching the show while, while it's happened, watching it. Do you have a pick of the week for us? Yeah. So Lean in, lean in. Yeah, okay. Be not afraid. <laughs> it's my first time, y'all. Um, it's all right. You're doing great. She's doing great. So, uh, I guess like a category would be podcasts. Like I, ha- I was had one, but there's another one that I just have to mention. Okay. On the way here, on the trek up here from New Orleans, I was listening to Father Mike Schmidt's Ascension mm. um, podcast. It was mm-hmm. like a 10-minute thing. Yeah. And I was thinking about it as we were talking because it um, – he talks about like sacrifices and how like you like holier is um, harder is not holier mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh, okay. um, and like how That's like um, you know active suffering and passive suffering and things like that. And it was just like, yeah, I just want to mention it. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. Go listen to it um, because yeah, like mm-hmm. we don't have to choose the hardest thing because you think that's that's yeah, true. That's, that's yeah, holy. yeah. Holiness is not because always can, tied up in. Yeah. Doing that, it. In fact, sometimes it's the opposite. Pride is yeah. what causes us to do the hardest thing. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and then it takes away from the heart of the heart of Christ and mm-hmm. it's taking away from your relationship. But So Father my, Mike Schmitz's podcast. Father yes. Mike Schmitz's podcast. Um, and also one of my favorite podcasts lately has been um, Always Hope with, from the Will Woods mm-hmm. community okay. with Dr. Mario yep. Sacasa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, such a good podcast. 
Um, so y'all should. There we go. Yeah. yeah put that, that in the show notes. There we go. Okay. So that's uh, awesome. Kathleen. Is it my turn? It is. It is. <gasps> okay. I have been um, watching some documentaries on mountain climbing. <laughs> yes. Sure. As one does. Yes, I have. And so I've watched the second one. It's called Free Solo. Okay. Oh yeah. I heard it's this good. This dude, Alex, he was like 31. He decided that he wanted to free climb El Capitan, which like is like. Like in Star Trek Five. Exactly. Mm, not mm-hmm. at all. But it's this no, huge it's exactly. mountain. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it. Anyway, he wanted to climb <laughs> it without any ropes. None. Yeah. None at all. No. Okay. And so not. this dude has been climbing for, for years, for his whole life, and, and um, like no ropes, mm-hmm. climb a mountain. And the, like the whole documentary is like, uh, the whole time you're like, I mean, he's going to die because, and he's, he pretty much says like, if I fall, oh well, oh, like, that's it. Right. But they do a brain scan of him. He's, he, and they said, this is uh, somebody who's amygdala uh-huh. is reacting to fear and it's like all lit up. And he's like, and here's yours. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. it's, it's awesome. He could have been I'm, an ER technician. Right. And wow. I'm not going to tell you how it ends. You got to watch it. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> My pick of the week is a bit of a geek out here. Uh, it is a rather large book Surprise. called Airline Visual Identity from 1945 to 1975. If you remember the heyday of flying, yes. like I do, even though this occurred a little before my time, uh, this is the book for you. So if you like all the retro livery that mm. uh, that aircraft airlines had, if you want to see some cool. really cool uh, stuff that was on board in the aircraft, uh, it's, a, it's a pricey book. It's about 45 bucks, but it's a coffee table book, so of course it costs that much. But it is just packed with posters, travel posters, and all the Pan Am stuff that you can't find anymore. It's all in there, uh, and you can just see Kathleen just amazed at it. <laughs> yes, fair, I yeah. perused earlier. It yeah, weighs about so 25 pounds. And it, it, does, smells, it, it smells good. It smells <laughs> like a new book. That's right. Yeah. So uh, so that's mine. Uh, Airline Visual Identity by M.C. Hearn or something like that. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, so we'll make sure that we get Jeff's pick of the week whenever yes. we come back uh, on the other side of the Easter break. Yeah, you'll have to tune but in. One of the things that you can also do is you can let us know what your picks of the week are. You can always do that. You can send that into backchat at catholicunderground.com. Or if you go to our website, catholicunderground.com, and you scroll down, you'll see a box where you can enter all that information. Yeah. So, and we love getting back chat. We right. do very much. We actually haven't had a back chat in a while yeah, you so know, all that, that people, we've published. So yeah, all y'all people who are listening and watching, mm-hmm. let us know what you think. Yeah, this yeah. is a conversation. That's exactly right. Let us know right. how your Lent is going. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we are very grateful for you. Those of you who, who, um, who Skype in, not Skype, but who chat, their chat on the Facebook. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the words on the type computer. on the typing, uh, and, then, and then of course we're grateful for all of you who pray for us as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, and those who have been benefactors to us, we're very thankful. And uh, this show, this whole thing, for the past I don't know how long since we've been doing it since 2006, has been possible because of people like you. If you want to join the growing number of undergrounders, you can do so at CatholicUnderground.com/donate. Um, you can like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice. And if you like our like our podcast, you can go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Click them stars, Sharon. Um, our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee. She's the benefactress at klee626 on Instagram. Thanks, yes. Kathleen. Anytime. Also, Olivia Galino is at the.real.omg on Instagram. Uh, thanks, Olivia. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And of course, uh, I don't know Amanda's uh, yeah. Instagram info. My you Instagram have... is at a holy balance. Oh. A holy balance. Oh, I think wow. I follow you on Instagram. There awesome. you go. Yeah. Uh, our our technical director uh, for this episode is Albert Dupont, 
And our research assistant and leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video director is Ed Ball, and you know me. I am Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We're the Catholic Underground. We're Faith Gone Digital. We will see you next time.